0: I never planned on this being a series, but it turned into one. Um, second Sunday of the month, I started a series, uh, four directives for 2021. Now it's turned into five directives because I was uh, praying last week and God downloaded another, another little point. They didn't mean for him to do that either. But, you know, I'm kind of not in charge. He is, so I let him do what he wants to do, even though it seems a little odd to me. He added it and I'm good. So anyway, five points that are strongly on my heart right now. We're going to get to uh, point number four today uh, just by way of, um, of reminding us. How many know that we are in a really strange day? We're transitioning from the day of grace into a time of judgment. The time of the second coming of Christ is, is the lamb turning into a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's coming to make war with his enemies and all those people that you think, that think they are above the law, Jesus is going to show them nobody's above God's law. Nobody's above God's way. Nobody rules but him. And they're going to be kicked off this planet one day. And, uh, uh, you know, it's going to, so, so we're in a challenging time. It's transition time. It feels awkward. We're not where we were. We're not where we're going to be. We're in between. So, it's an in-between time, and if you're like me, when God transitions your life, uh, Susan and I have moved 12 times and, uh, uh, in the span of life, and that's not a lot. Somebody told me they, they had moved 20-something times in a, just a few years, so I thought, wow, I thought I had it rough. But nonetheless, you know, transition times are times where you're moving, you're changing jobs, you're going from one state to another, or maybe one city to another. Those are You know, you just have to get used to it. So think about that way in a macro way. That's what's happening worldwide in the body of Christ. That's what's happening with your relationship with the Lord. You know, God is preparing us for a new dimension of living. And uh, Jesus is coming back. The rapture of the church at some point will be in view. And then the second coming of Christ. Before that, some huge challenges are coming. So five points that are on my heart for 2021. 2020 was a transition year. You'll find 2021 to be another year of even more transition than we uh, experienced perhaps last year. So are you ready for what God's got for you in 2021? Uh, What I found out is God gives grace where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. uh, Romans 5 says. So uh, in fact, uh, in the Greek it says where sin abounds, grace super abounds. That means there's a whole boatload more of what you need than the opposition that you face. And that's what we should be excited about. Uh, so uh, the first three points I've already made, you can weather any storm or test this year when you align your thoughts, values, and lifestyles with God and his word. Bottom line, put God's word first place. I do this in my regular life. I don't do it just because I'm a pastor. So I think sometimes people today say, well, there's a preacher preaching, he's just preaching. No, I live this. If I, if I didn't preach another sermon in my life, I'd live what I'm talking about. Because this is the way I live. I've been living this a long time. And you know what I found out? God's word always works. And if you'll put God's word first in your business life, your financial life, in your social life, in your relationship life, in your family life, in your married life, in your life with your children, and just in your personal life and your thoughts about yourself, it won't, the word won't do anything but stabilize you and help you grow. Is that good news? So put the word first. And then we've talked about focusing on the kingdom of God this year. Number two, this year you're going to have to choose whether to stay at home or come and help us promote the kingdom of God and train new Christ followers. I'm probably going to say this uh, every Sunday this year. I'm probably going to say this. Turn off the news and turn on the word. There's nothing good going to happen to you watching the news every morning. If you think that's going to help your day, all it's going to do is solidify negative thinking in your mind. And then pitch your mind against God, His ways, His will, and His word. And it went over big. Still true. Be willing to be, be, willing to be challenged this year for what you believe. Talk about that again uh, later on. Then last week, we talked about um, uh, what's going to be happening. And we're moving into that. Get ready for a fresh moving of the Holy Spirit worldwide. There is coming and we're now entering into a great moving of the Holy Spirit that's unprecedented in our time. And I gave you the theological explanation, the foundation for a fresh moving of the Holy Spirit uh, as as we get closer to to the time that Jesus comes back. And understand that there is the spirit of Antichrist loose in the world right now. And I want to uh, uh, tell you what that feels like and looks like. The point number four I want to get to today. Here it is: the Holy Spirit manifests in unity, not in isolation. Yes, you know the enemy. The, the way that he conquers is to divide. And you know, some personalities throughout history, they, they're world conquerors. They wanted to. They want to conquer nations with their armies and such. And so, you know, uh, those that are uh, in, the, in the field of military know that if you want to conquer a nation, get it divided against itself. And that's what's happening right now. Satan, Satan Satan, is seeking to conquer or divide us so he can conquer us. And then also division keeps the Holy Spirit from working and moving. And then you'll find this, the greater manifestation of the Holy Ghost, the greater intensity of challenge that you face. That's exciting, isn't it? You ever thought about that? See, we got the idea that when God shows up and he manifests himself that the glory of God is just wonderful, well, it is wonderful and it, you know, it actually feels great, but it produces extreme persecution. Because don't forget we live in a fallen world. You know, those, those uh, uh, entities Paul talked about in Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, rulers, of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. They resent anything coming up and messing up their terrain. So, you know, my experience was 40, over 44 years ago when I came to the Lord, I was walking in the darkness like everybody else. I was saying what they said. I had the lifestyle that they had. I agreed with my friends when they said things they shouldn't say. I participated in those events. and and, and, And so, you know, I was just going down the stream with the rest of the world, but when I gave my life to Jesus, I found some newfound foes. And I found out that just turning around spiritually creates opposition. Now, if you say you know Jesus and you have no opposition, I want to challenge you how much do you know Him? Because just knowing Him produces opposition. We live in a fallen world, right? And so the more deeply the Holy Spirit manifests, the more the persecution will come. It just goes with the territory. Um, In fact, Matthew 24, what I just said, Jesus said it, talking to his disciples about the time just before he comes back. Matthew 24, 7, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in many many parts of the world. But uh, all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So he compares this coming with what it's like for a, a woman to give birth to a child. You know the child's coming, just not quite ready yet. I got, we got one daughter just about to give birth. She's ready, but not quite. Then you got the contractions that come, the Braxton Hicks pre-contractions just prior all of that. And that's what Jesus is saying here. These is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. They'll, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. That's not exciting. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers and many will turn away from me. Now watch. Many, not few, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So you would think this, listen, you would think that a manifestation of the Holy Spirit would just be wonderful and it is, but what it produces is you've got to make a choice. How many hear me? And here we are today in America, we're faced with choices. If you're gonna choose to walk with God and stay with his word, I mean the world's going the opposite way. Have you noticed? Have you noticed what the what the Biden administration has just said about transgenderism? Abortion? They opening up the gate, my friend. Are you ready for that? Huh? They're opening up the bathrooms for anybody. So you've got a little girl going to use the bathroom. Here's a boy can walk in. You like that? you going to say something about it? Or are you going to say, well, I reckon that's the way it is? We got, do we have choices to make? Yes, we do. Y'all, we do. So he said, Many will turn away from me. Why? Because the pressure's too strong. They're not willing to buck against the trends. If you're going to walk with God, there's going to be some bucking. It's not that you're unkind, but you have an internal resistance to lies and twisted truth. Is that true? So because of that, right now, the seeds of division are being sown all around us. You've got to choose. I mean, every day we've got to choose. Am I going to resist or am I going to acquiesce? Now, now the church, so what's going to happen with the body of Christ? Challenge persecution, difficulty. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to fight. That's why Paul said fight, the good fight of faith. Are you willing to fight or you would you rather just lay down? Well, I ain't willing to fight. I just want, I just want life to be easy. Well, leave this planet then because it's not going to be easy here. Yeah, this is going over big, I can tell. You know, years ago, this really helped me, Uh, you know, anytime you're in ministry, let me just say this, you know, being a believer is one thing, but to step into a line where you're ministering to others and you're leading others and influencing others, I, I don't really like to say this, but I've heard people say it a lot, it's probably true, new levels, new devils. Well, it's the same devil, but he comes to attack and oppose when you get into the will of God for your life. So you may be called to be a businessman. You may be called to be be a teacher. You may be called to influence people where you work. But wherever you're called, when you find the vein and flow that God's got for you, every devil in hell knows that. And they'll come to resist you. How many hear me? And so for me, when I entered into ministry, it was a new level of devils for me. When I started pastoring in 1988, not just working on a church staff, but actually pastoring, I found out, whoa, whoa, this is different. I, wouldn't, I didn't sign up for this, and I didn't realize the mental, the mental challenges, the emotional challenges, much less the, the natural challenges that the, and the oppositions. And uh, Kenneth Hagin said something. That has helped me all of my spiritual life. And I heard this, um, you know, I think I heard this first time in the late 70s on a cassette tape. And I've attended his school season I did in the early 80s. Uh, but, but he said this, anything that seeks to hinder or, or um, challenge the ministry of the local church is always satanic in origin. That means sometimes people say things that should not be said. It's demonic forces speaking through them. You ever had anybody speak to you and you know it's not God? That's not the Holy Spirit motivating them. Yes or no? You ever had that happen? Huh? I, I, even even uh, demonic forces can use believers' mouths. Jesus looked at Peter. Far be it from you, Lord, that you go to the cross and suffer. What did Jesus say to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. His whole reason to come was that he could die and be raised from the dead. And what come out of Peter's mouth was inspired by the devil. Could you be speaking it's inspired of the devil if it's not in line with the word it can be? Yes or no? None of this is in my notes. It's really weird. I don't know how this works out. It just kind of does. You know, don't forget again, Jesus said, I will build my church. And any time any force or opposition comes against God, his word, his promises, his morality, you got the kingdom of heaven against you when you go there. Huh? And then for us, because we're in the kingdom of God, when people seek to resist us, recognize us demonic forces, and today you could go a step further and say it's the spirit of Antichrist loose in the world. Yes or no? So Jesus said to Peter, Peter said, Jesus... Jesus asked his disciples, "Who do men say I am?" And, and bottom line, Peter said, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus said, uh, "You know, uh, flesh and blood humans didn't reveal that to you. The Spirit of my Father in heaven revealed that to you." And then he said, verse 18 of Matthew 16, "Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock." And he was everything but a rock. He was up and down all the time. And upon this rock. I will build my church. He was a big, he said, Peter, you're, you're, you're a little rock, but a big boulder just come out of your mouth. That's literally what it says in the Greek, and, which is you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, he said, upon this rock, the confession of faith in Jesus, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Satan can resist us, can hinder us, can persecute us. People can rise up against you and say things, but you know, that's where having done all to stand, you just stand your ground and smile and don't give them a spit bath back in return, right? So we're, listen, so saying all that, we're entering into a time of definition. Who will walk with God and who will compromise? Could it be in Victory Church, we have people that have walked with us but are choosing compromise. What are you choosing? Are you choosing to stand your ground when they go and get tough? Or are you choosing to turn around and go with the rest of the tide of our culture? Those are the kinds of choices that we have to make today. They're not great or easy choices. But how many know if you're loyal to God and you're loyal to his kingdom, you know, God will make a way for you. Listen to what Jesus said. Everybody here? Matthew 10. Every 32, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Question, do you speak up in conversation when people say things that disagree with the Bible? Do you kindly say, you know, I disagree with that. You know, I'm a Christian and here's what I believe. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you did that in the break room at work? When's the last time you did that around a table with family and friends? When's the last time you did that in a restaurant with somebody you're eating with and something come out of their mouth that you know full well and they know? That it goes against your values as a believer. Do you sit quietly and say nothing? Or you just say, well, no, I care about you, but I disagree with what you just said because of the following. You see, silence is agreement. And we're reaching a point in our world that God's wanting us to speak up. He even knows it's going to heat up the atmosphere. You know, a disagreement is not hate. Disagreement is not anger. Sometimes deep disagreement is love. My dad frequently disagreed with me and showed me in various ways. Sometimes my dad would come up to me and say, Mitch, I got a bone to pick with you. And I knew what he meant. Oh, my Lord, he's going he's to do something I don't want him to do. And they believed in spanking when I was a little boy. And you know what about my dad? I love my dad because he knew what was right and he knew what was wrong and he enforced right behavior in me. Scripture says open rebuke is better than secretly concealed love. He that rebukes a man afterwards will find more favor than he that flatters with the tongue. I don't have any idea why I'm saying this. I, I wouldn't play, this is not in my notes. I'm talking to Somebody. Don't compromise who you are because of today. I know in my future I'm going to have opportunities to compromise or I could have some loss. Am I going to choose God? Am I going to choose seeming loss? Or am I going to compromise to keep what eventually one day I'll lose? That's not in my notes either. Jesus said, verse 34, Matthew 10, don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Wow. How could he talk that way? He's the prince of peace. He said, I'm bringing a sword. What is he saying? My word creates a dividing line. When I started walking with God, it produced a dividing line. There were friends that laughed with me, joked with me, picked on me, cut up with me. And suddenly their jokes were not funny when I came to Jesus. And I didn't laugh at their jokes and their risque behavior and all the things that went with it. There was a dividing line. That's what Jesus said here. Don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. If you say you know Jesus and you've been living like everybody else around you. And then you come to Jesus and you're saved and none of your friends notice there's a problem. Young people, there's a problem. It'll bring a division. It'll bring a separation when you choose to walk with God. It's not that you're unkind. It's not that you're unfriendly, but your values have changed. And if your values don't change, then you're really not changed. Hmm. Don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. We're living that today. Yes or no? Well, pastor, have I, have I got to be so strong? No, just love people and be honest. Jesus was honest with people. He looked at the most religious people of his day who knew the scriptures more than anybody. And he said, you know what? You're empty tombs. In fact, they whitewash them. You're nasty people. You're vulgar. You're snipers. You're snakes. You're full of dead men's bones. Well, Jesus was loving. No, Jesus was honest too. He probably said it real kindly you know what? You're a snake. <laughs> he put butter on it, probably. Verse 36 your enemies will be right in your own household. Verse 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Ah. I got a man in India who contacted me some, that's well, been months. I was in India in uh, the year, that's 1999. He was in the Brahma class the high class in india they have a caste system that's unspoken but very real in their culture he was in one of my meetings and the meetings were with the lowest class the outcasts i forgot what do you call them i forgot untouchables and really the untouchables came to our meeting the high class looked down their nose at him he was in the meeting and one day he raised his hand when I gave an altar call, you want Jesus, lift your hand. might cost you everything you got. That Brahmam's hand went up. You know what he told me? He wrote me a letter when I got back to America. And he wrote me a letter a few months ago by, by a Facebook messenger. And he showed me a picture. I sent him a Bible when I got back to America. <clears throat> a study Bible. I sent it all the way back to India. And he somehow got it. And he took a photograph of that Bible I gave him 20 years ago and said, I just want you to know, thank you for the Bible. He said, now I'm a pastor. I have started several churches. He said, you know, when I raised my hand that day, it cost me everything. I lost my inheritance. My family was wealthy. They act as though I'm not alive. They disinherited me. In some cultures, it costs a lot to know Jesus. Here, it's been so easy, we compromise ourselves away. And that's the reason Christianity means very little in American culture today. It's changing. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Mom, I've decided to be decided to be a lesbian. Dad, I've decided to have a sex change operation. Mom, I've decided to be gender binary. Most people don't even know what that is. And one day I'm a man, the other day I'm a woman. You love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. It's in those kinds of times, you have to, as a parent, if you love Jesus, have to say, look, I love you. I would give my life for you. Well, what you're doing is wrong. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt the people around you. And one day, you'll have to answer for that before God. What are you willing to do with your life right now? Or if you say nothing you become like the rest of culture. Yes or no? These are the reasons that Christians are losing America right now. Most of us don't stand up for what is truth. I think I will, thank you. Verse 38, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. What are you willing to give up for Jesus? Reputation? Honor? Friends? You know, when I came to Jesus, I had some friends I had known since before I started school. I went to play pool with them one day. In a little pool hall. Downtown. Irby Street. Susan knows where that is. Walked in there, you know, and they were drinking and smoking pot. Well, not in there, but they had, and they couldn't smell it on And they saw me and said, Well, man, it's good to see you. Get a pool stick. Let's play pool. I love to play pool. So I started playing with them. Doing any drugs lately? Oh, I said, I've been high a lot lately. Oh, really? What is it? I said, They said, Oh, man, it's the best stuff I ever had in my life. I did, I said, I said, I've never had anything to make me feel this good. Really? Oh, I said, it gets all inside of you. It's like it's all over you and inside of you. I said, man, I've never had anything like that. What is it? What is it? I kept, you know, playing pool. Come on, what is it, man? What is it? What is it? What is it? We're laughing, joking. I said, Jesus Christ came in on my life and changed who I am. You know, the whole countenance went from smiling to looking at me like I was a cuckoo. Seriously. And, you know, they didn't smile at me and not another another moment uh, playing the rest of the pool game. I say, see you, boys. And I had to leave them alone because they didn't want the Jesus that I loved. They really didn't care to associate me with me if I didn't laugh at their jokes. How many hear me? No, I still love them. I still talk to them when I saw them. You know, Jesus brings definition If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Wow. Y'all okay? I'm not getting very far in my notes. I'm trying to go, but I feel a hindrance. Verse 40, anyone who receives you receives me. Anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Wow. Isn't that something? The more closely you walk with Jesus today, the more resistance you face. Are you willing to be resisted? It gets quiet. This is very deep. Jesus said this, Luke 6, 26. This is not in the notes, Sean. Luke 6, 26, New King, King James Version. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did the fathers to the false prophets. If my life is unchallenged as a believer, and I can hang around the good old boys whose lifestyle remains the same, unchanged, and in a lot of ways they're walking in lying, deception, darkness, walking in the flesh, If that doesn't rub me and create a rub, I'm probably not walking with God very strongly. Y'all get that? See, I didn't know this. The anointing of God produces conflict. Because there's darkness we're living in. We've come alive. This year, the darkness will just get darker. But it just makes the light shine that much brighter. Yes or no? (laughs) It'll stir up devils when you walk with God. That's the reason Jesus, the devils would lay down on the ground and shriek. Who are you, Jesus, the Son of God? Are you come to torment us before the time? Because he had said, shut up and come out of him. It's hard for devils to remain hidden when the presence of God rises. Thus the Soha told me in my office, uh, he's one of our, for those that don't know him, he's a missionary to Czech Republic from Nigeria. He's one of the only black guys in Nigeria, uh, in Czech Republic. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch now. But when he, he told me when he first got there, he was the only dark colored person he could see there. for There's very, very few or far between. And he said, you know, devils, here's what he said to me in my office. You know, devils love America. I said, what kind of, I thought, what kind of conversation is this going to be? Let's say, why do devils love America? He said, because they can sleep in a nice bed, live in a nice house, eat really nice food, wear really nice clothes, ride in a really nice car, have a plenty of money to do whatever with. Oh, devils love America. It's definition time. I didn't know I was going here. I can't go any further. I was going to talk about unity. This is not about unity. This is about division. Wheat from the tares. Those that know God from those that don't. So those that have walked the line and lived in compromise, the compromise now will take you out. Mark my words. What you compromise to keep now you will lose. If you compromise to keep your job, you'll lose the whole thing. If you compromise to keep a friendship, you'll lose the whole thing. What you compromise to keep will cost you. But if you walk with God, it may seem on the onset as though you're losing, but you gain The whole world. So the anointing of God, I feel him right now. The anointing of God is really strong. It undoes everything about you. It undoes everything you depend on. Money means nothing when the anointing comes on. A long-standing friendship based on lies and deception means nothing when the anointing comes on you. Do you hear me? A business based on deceptive practices means nothing when the anointing comes on you. See, when the anointing rises up, it produces conflict. I didn't come to the earth to bring peace, Jesus said, but a sword. I thought he was the prince of peace. He is. But when he turns up his presence, and that's what he's doing today, when Jesus turns up his presence in his people, it, the presence, produces conflict. Years ago, we were in the shopping center I started doing an unusual amount of praying. Now, you know, you say, well, don't you always pray? Yeah, I pray, but I did an unusual amount. I don't know. I I don't even remember why I started. But something, God put something inside me. And I actually laid aside, uh, church was small. We had, I think, one, two paid staff members and me. I had a secretary, somebody did the finances and me. That's it. Everybody else volunteer. I think we may have paid... uh, Children's ministry worker part-time. But during that time, I, uh, here's what I said. I'm going to lay aside my normal duties because I had a lot to do because we didn't have the staff team like we have now. And I said, I'm going to lay aside all this mess I got to do all the time because it just distracts me. I'm going to pray. And, y'all, I started praying a lot. I mean, a lot. I'm talking hours. A lot. I go on the weekend, Saturday. Say, so Susan, I'm going to the shopping center where the church is and i going to pray in the auditorium. I'd kneel down at a chair, pray for several hours. I found myself in that place. When I started doing that, something happened to me. The presence came in a different dimension. I thought it would be great, but what I noticed through the rest of that year, that was 2000, that was 2001. People started being angry at me, nitpicking at me. Upset with me, visitors would come to church because the presence was there. They'd send me nasty emails, nasty notes, say things derogatory. i say, God, wait a minute, I'm waiting on you. What's going on? You didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. When you consecrate to Jesus now, that spirit of Antichrist is not going to like it. Do You hear me? Don't get a persecution complex. You just walk with Jesus. I'm just trying to say the boogers will come out of the cobwebs in the corner. Yeah. That equals demon spirits. We don't even talk about devils in America, do we? Demon spirits are everywhere in America. They produce lusts, lying, deception, trickery. It's everywhere. Have you noticed that? People can lie with a smile now. Have you noticed? Huh? They can sin with no conscience. I do what I want to do. I'm going to heaven. God, Jesus loves me. This I know. But if your lifestyle haven't changed and you're in sin, you will not go to heaven. 1994. When we first moved up here, we were in a building on Garner Road. Everybody okay? I I just can't go any further. Strange. We were in a building on Garner Road. That building was built in 1884. I was the first pastor to have an office in the building and some weird presence was in that building. Now, this is going to be weird to a Westerner, but there it is. Boy, I don't know if you should show that or not. <laughs> but on that building, there was attached a demonic spirit there. And every time I'd preach about the baptism with the Holy Spirit or lay hands on the sick, the atmosphere felt, I can't even describe, nasty, brassy, harsh, hard challenging, frustrating, angry. And every time I'd go there, it's like, what in the world Holy Spirit manifests? Boy, it was just awful. Long story short, I had a guest speaker come who had discerning of spirits, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, a spiritual gift where you can see into that other dimension. He saw the forces I was dealing with and I started having prayer meetings at the building, and we drove them all out. And it became really easy to preach and minister. When we left, they all came back. That's a long story. Demon spirits can cause you to be religious on Sunday and act like everybody else on Monday. Teenagers, what happens? I smoked pot, and I was going to church singing in the church choir. I had a spirit of religion attached to me. I was singing. I'm smiling. Got my coat and tie on. I'm bellowing out some praises to God. Smoking reefer on Monday. Hot dog. Liar. Susan and I, 1989. I don't encourage you to do this. I bought a fixer upper. I know it sounds good on the movies. On the television show, Fixer Upper, it ain't fun when you're living in the Fixer Upper. Susan didn't like the Fixer Upper. I bought a house in Quimby, South Carolina. I don't even know what population. What do you think? 300 maybe? Small town next to a larger town, my hometown. <clears throat> that was a skanky house. It smet. you know, I can't give you all the details. It was horrible. It took me about... A couple of years to, to redo the whole thing. I had to redo the ceilings, the walls, the flooring, the heat and air, and everything. It was just, it's more than I can talk about on Sunday morning. But one day we were in that house. We had just moved in. I just started pastoring a church 30 miles away. I didn't know why in the world and God had to set up. Sometimes God will have you do things and you can't figure it out to start with save your life. It seems so um, backwards and wrong. But God will lead you to do something that doesn't make any sense sometimes. Not all the time. But some, and it, that was it for me. So why am I pastoring 30 miles away and God led me to buy this house? Well, we were in that house. We hadn't been in there just a few weeks. I come in and it had a sunken living area. It used to be a garage. And they had built it in, you know. It had a Ben Franklin stove in the corner. Remember that stove? Don't you love that stove? Susan? Anyway, I have lots of stories about that house. Bottom line was I walked in the door one day. And I don't know why. The moment I came on that property, I was just mad. I'm just mad at everything. <laughs> mad. I'm looking for something to fight with. I'm going to spit. I'm just mad. I opened the door. Here, Susan, right up the three steps up to where the kitchen is. She looked at me, and I looked at her. She looked at me and said, bruh, 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 bruh. "Talking loud." And then I opened that door, and she said, "I." I said, "Well." Bruh, bruh, And then she'd come right back, even worse. And then I one-upped it, boys. I'm going to win that conversation. You're right. Yeah. And I looked at Susan, and I started crying. I said, Susan, I've never said that to you in my life. I don't know why I did that. I'm so sorry, you're my wife. I'm not to, supposed to speak to you that way. You remember that, Susan? I mean, it broke my heart. You vaguely remember? Well, we had how many kids? We had three kids at the time, not four, three. And we were busy. But I mean, Lord, why did I do that? You know what I found out? I'm pretty sure it was a demon spirit dogging my tracks. Uh, We bought the house from a person who had a, make a long story short, the person that had the house prior to us was an alcoholic. Because I opened the bottom of the house, I found all their liquor bottles all up under the house. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anger. You can't see these things, and nobody in America wants to talk about it. But if you've got behaviors that aren't like you, that come on you, you need to resist that stuff. I commanded that thing to leave that house. It left. We commanded that thing in that little church to leave, and it left. So what about you? Are you walking with God, or do you compromise? How many hear me? These demon spirits are going to come out of the woodwork now because they think they have permission because of the Antichrist spirit. And in America, we've had such freedom, such liberty, such prosperity, such everything that the rest of the world hasn't had. You just don't know how blessed you are. To now every devil in hell is going to say, well, let me see what you really, really, really believe. So as we worship and as we pray and as we get into the presence of Jesus... Just be aware that you think that presence would bring wonderfulness and sweetness and people wanting to snuggle up to you. It's going to create the opposite. That's why the Roman emperors wanted to kill the early church. That's why they lied about them. You notice people in America that are doing right, they're lied about, they're taken advantage of. Have you noticed? What do you think that is? The bottom line this year, the anointing of God is increasing. The presence of Jesus is coming. We're going to have great times in this room right here. And then people will be coming in this room who are full of darkness. And they'll be challenged. They'll mock, say things that should not be said about me and maybe you. They may talk about others on my staff. You hear me? Then you walk out the door say, man, the glory of God's on me. And you get on your job and people are nitpicking and aggravated and you can't do anything right. What's wrong with you? Just realize when the anointing comes, it stirs up the darkness. But the light in us is so much greater than the darkness. Are you willing to go through it? Are you willing? Don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. You love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. You love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. I wonder if Peter knew what he um, signed up for. When he said, if all everybody else leaves you, I never will. And Peter said, and Jesus said, hey, before the rooster crows three times, (laughs) rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Three times. Er, 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 er. I had to do that for my grandkids. Make sure they listen to this. I do that all the time to my grandkids. Peter was willing to be talked about, lied about, vilified, ostracized. And they even killed him. And He said, "Don't, don't crucify me the way you crucified my master. Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way he was. You read that stuff in the Bible, you think that's huh. that's what tradition says. You read about these people making these sacrifices, you think hm. Paul had his head cut off. John, tradition says, was boiled in a, a, a boiling vat of oil, and that didn't kill him, so they banished him to Patmos. Well, that's some people in the Bible times. Persecutions rising worldwide, my friends. And so today, we have choices to make. Am I going to walk with God? Come what may. If you want to walk with God to be easy street, you signed up for the wrong army. I didn't mean to say any of this. This year, the glory's coming. And when the glory comes, going to be bring a test to compromise how many want to pass the test